That record stood until Cal Ripken Jr. of Baltimore broke it in the summer of 1995. 1936, the Lux Radio Theater moved from New York City to Hollywood. Cecil B. DeMille, the program's host on the NBC Blue Network, introduced Clark Gable and Marlena Dietrich in The Legionnaire and the Lady. Of course, you can hear Lux Radio Theater Monday through Friday at noon right here on 89.3 FM WMKV. Along with Mike Martini, I'm George Zahn. That's a look at Today in History. Thank you, George. Uh, in traffic right now, that earlier accident west Norwood Lateral at 75 has been cleaned up, and that leaves the board clean as far as accidents. However, we do have a car fire south 71 at the Dana exit. The right two lanes are blocked. The fire is out, but some fire equipment is still on the scene. Also expect some delays east 275 at Montgomery. Uh, also, uh, eastbound Norwood Lateral at 71, westbound at 75. North 71 slows at Smith. South 75 slows approaching the Brent Spence Bridge. Slowdowns northbound 75 at Glendale up to 275. Forecast tonight, clear skies for the most part. Tonight's low 58. Tomorrow, sunny in the morning, a few clouds in the afternoon with a high of 82. Then we warm up on Friday with a high around 90 and partly cloudy skies. Saturday and Sunday, highs in the lower 90s, maybe a little bit cooler on Sunday, but uh, no rain in the forecast through Wednesday, kind of a turnaround from last week. It's 86 degrees right now here at 89.3 WMKV. Real Life Real Estate Investing is coming up after this. Support for WMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859-292-7342. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, the nation's public radio source for no-hype, all-detail real estate investing information. And today... We're talking about a topic near and dear to the hearts of many real estate investors, how to find great deals. However, we're talking about something pretty special today, which is how to find great deals in multifamily buildings, in apartment buildings, a topic that we really have not covered here on Real Life Real Estate uh, as such. So stay tuned for that. Don't forget that the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meets tomorrow evening at the usual location, the Community Action Agency, at the corner of Seymour and Reading Road in Jordan Crossing, formerly Swifton Commons. Uh, interesting meeting tomorrow night. The early meeting is about the biggest mistakes that real estate investors make when inspecting properties, and that is 
going to be presented by Ferd Flick, who is a home inspector and investor himself. He's going to give you some great tips on things to look for that uh, could be expensive if you miss them. The main meeting is a meet the staff meeting. And uh, what we've got for that is a panel of people like property managers, acquisition specialists, uh, uh, folks who folks who work in full-time real estate businesses that uh, have specific jobs that they do for those businesses and are going to talk about what those jobs are, what they get paid, how they get paid, um, what their what their official duties and responsibilities are. And it'll be a great chance for you to see how full-time real estate investors staff their businesses, as well as learn about some of the day-to-day activities of a real estate investing business. That meeting is open to the public, of course, and you can get more information at 859-292-7342 or at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. My guest today is Charles Dobbins, who is not only a single, a multifamily property investor himself, but also runs a law firm called Dobbins Law LLC that builds itself as the multifamily law firm, and uh, through that practice helps other folks acquire and put entities around and evaluate and raise money for the acquisition of apartment buildings. He is joining us today by phone from his office in Duxbury, Massachusetts. Charles, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you, Zena. It's a pleasure being here with you. And uh, and I'm so glad that you could be on today because uh, we're going to break some hearts of some people who have paid many thousands of dollars to take multifamily courses only to hear that they should find deals in a particular way that you don't think is the most effective way to do that. So before we before we get into what that way is and, and, and what your objections are to it, let's talk first about uh, what we're talking about. Like, um, when, when we're talking about multifamilies, you don't you don't do the two family three family thing. I don't, but we can be talking about that in this discussion as well. Uh, my properties, I tend to look for things over 150 units. Um, I own about six apartment complexes, own and operate about six apartment complexes around the country. Uh, we do the property management ourselves. We self-manage. Uh, we work with our investors, uh, and we really work to make sure that those properties do well and achieve the results we, we set out to achieve when we first bought the properties. Mm-hmm. So that is our objective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> let's uh, to, to to give a little bit more background. Um, when we when we talk about finding a great deal in a single family home or a two family or three family, it that's not hard to define. You know, if 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 the house is worth a hundred thousand as it sits right now, and you paid sixty for it, you made a great deal. It's a little right. bit more complicated in apartments. Well, you know, if you take that same concept, it's the same thing. Everyone in multifamily is looking for a deal. Everyone that that can't find, and I'm using finger quotations here, a deal, uh, complains that it's not a deal because the numbers don't work. And the thing about multifamily is it's all about the numbers. Nothing emotional whatsoever about multifamily. If the numbers don't work, move on. 
And the thing about the, how a lot of these investors are taught how to find deals uh, is to look at what I call the retail level. And you know as well as I do, if, if you are looking for a deal on the single-family side, you're really not going to find it if you're looking at the retail outlets, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You've got to dig down deep and go to those places where the deals are and where not many people are looking. And that's the same thing with the multifamily side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's important to say here, although this is not the topic of this particular show, that it, it, it's important if you're out looking for multifamilies that you truly understand how to evaluate them. Uh, you said something fun, funny to me on the phone the other day, which is that uh, cap rate, which is what everybody looks at, is, is kind of easy to manipulate late if you don't know what you're looking at. Absolutely. I mean, I had a client call me up the other day, and he had just gotten a deal on a contract, and he wanted me to help him through the entire process. And I said, okay, tell me about your property. And that's the first question I ask my clients when they're looking at a deal. I said, sell me on this property. Why, why should I buy into this property? And the first thing he said is it's got a, an 11% cap rate. Okay, where is it located? And he said, South Dallas. And I said, stop right there, I'm not interested. He goes, well, wait, what are you talking about? He said, no, you don't understand. That is not the place I want to put my money. The cap rate may be great, but that's not everything you look at. Mm-hmm. So there are so many factors in the multifamily side that you've got to take into consideration before you actually go out and buy that property. Mm-hmm. Cap rate is just a, one facet of the whole equation. Mm-hmm. So let's 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 start, listeners, with the assumption that you understand how to evaluate the property yourself. And if you don't, we've got some podcasts out there. If you go to uh, askvina.com, you can download some of the other shows that we've done on things like how to calculate the cap rate and the net operating income and so on. Uh, but let, let's let's start with you already know what the building is quote worth <laughs> based on based on those sorts of things. Now, uh, Charles, the um, the the thing that a lot of people are taught about how to go find properties is either call a commercial real estate broker or go to one of the national commercial multiple listing services like LoopNet or or something similar. Uh, you don't feel like that is the best way for even a new investor to go find a great deal. Uh, you know, I, all the new investors go that route. They all head directly towards the, the path of least resistance, which are those types of vehicles where they can get on the Internet, they can sit in the comfort of their own, own office, and they can do searches online for all of these deals. And I'm telling you right now, folks, LoopNet has about 4 million subscribers. Those are 4 million people that you've got to compete against looking for deals. What do you think the chances are of you finding a deal and getting it under contract and getting it acquired when you're up against 4 million other what we call looky-loos? The chances of that happening is almost winning the lottery. So you've got to really, the thing that we talk about LoopNet is that's where you go to find brokers so that you know what brokers are in a particular area uh, that you want to do business in. Once you've found those brokers, 
then you can build a rapport with them, and maybe they will give you the good properties to look at, or maybe not. I mean, they may look at you and think, well, this guy's a new investor, and, and he may not be able to close on a deal, so I'm not going to let him see my, what I use, what I call pocket listings. Um, then you start going down deeper and you start looking at uh, REO properties or, or non-performing notes. And, you know, this business is all about relationships. And if you don't have great relationships with people, you're never going to get deals closed. And here, here's what I mean. I had a client come to me and he had two deals that uh, were bank-owned properties in Nashville, Tennessee. And I looked at them, and I thought they looked pretty good. And he was really anxious. He, he wanted to get these two deals done. I said, i tell you what. I've got a good friend who owns about 1,000 units in Nashville. Let me give that person a call and see what they think about these two deals. So I called that person, and I said, hey, what do you think about XYZ properties? And she said, forget it. That one's a dog. You wouldn't want to own that one. I wouldn't even go there at nighttime. She says, you don't want to buy that property. I said, okay, great. I appreciate that. Now, what do you think about this property? She goes, I'm buying that one. I said, well, wait a minute, it's on the market right now. My, my client got it in from a broker. She said, it doesn't matter, I'm buying that one. I've already been told by the bank that I'm going to get that. And so I was a little incredulous. I said, well, wait a minute, what happens if my client puts in a full-price offer? And, and she says, it doesn't matter. I'm getting that property at 25 cents on the dollar. You can put an offer in it at 125 cents on the dollar, and if the <laughs> bank is still going to give me the deal. And I said, how? What? How are you able to do that? She says, I've worked with this bank for years, and they come to me when they have a great deal and they want to get it off their books. Nobody else even sees it. And that's when I realized that all these people, all these new investors are out there looking for REO deals and thinking that they're going to steal all these great things. What a lot of these new investors see on those REO listings are properties that have been picked over by everybody and their brother, and they passed on them. And now it comes up to your desk and you're thinking, hey, this is going to be fantastic. I've got this bank-owned opportunity. And you look at it and it's just terrible. You never get it. These new investors never get a chance to see the really good deals that exist out there in the marketplace because they're all looking in the same the same places. That's the problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, Charles, we need to take a quick break before which I want to invite listeners to give us a call at 772-9658 if you're in the greater Cincinnati area or 877-772-9658 or send us an email by going to askvina.com. Programming on WMKV is supported by the Knowles of Oxford. The Knowles of Oxford is now building new spacious cottages in their development Redbud Trace on campus. The Knowles offers an active retirement with all the benefits of a college town. More information about the new Redbud Trace cottages and the entire Knowles campus is available at 513-524-7990. That's 513-524-7990. All righty, let's check on traffic now. We have an accident, Lila or Lila, L-I-L-A, at State Route 131. Accident also North 75 at Buttermilk in Kentucky on the right shoulder. And uh, an earlier accident, South 71 at Dana has been uh, taken care of. Oh, that was the car fire. That's uh, all the lanes are open there again. And uh, now there's, uh, well, that's been cleaned up too. Everything's going fine. Uh, some backups though, East 275 at Montgomery to Loveland. Your forecast tonight, clear skies, low of 58. Tomorrow, another nice day, a sunny skies with a high around 82. Not too bad, but we will warm up for the weekend. Friday highs should be around 90 and then into the lower 90s on Saturday and maybe even on Sunday as well. Right now, we're at 86 degrees here at 89.3. 
WMKV. Support comes from Cincinnati Museum Center's Insights Lecture Series and Cleopatra, the search for the last queen of Egypt. More than 120 documents from Alexandria have been retrieved that provide a unique insight into the lives of ordinary Alexandrians at the time. There will be a free lecture on Thursday, June 16th at 7.30 in the Riekert Auditorium entitled Alexandria in the First Century B.C., The View from Cleopatra's Palace by Dr. Peter Van Minen from the University of Cincinnati. Details at cincymuseum.org. And thanks to Commissioner Dave, who is a bona fide East Sider. It is pronounced Lila Avenue. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones Cox. My guest today is Charles Dobbins, who is a, an apartment investor and an attorney who works with apartment investors. And we're talking today about how to find great deals in apartments as opposed to um, the deals that have already been picked over by other people or that you cannot uh, have access to because there's other people with better relationships than you who are uh, getting those properties. And uh, Charles, you mentioned you mentioned that the, the, the national MLS systems of, of various sorts are um, both very competitive, as are, you know, your local MLS is competitive, too. If there's a great deal in your local MLS, somebody's probably going to snatch it up before you see it. Uh, and at the same time, a lot of, well, most of the really great deals that are out there don't get to that MLS because they're sold way before they're ever going to go up onto a site like that. Uh, you also mentioned that a another place that, that new investors are pushed to is the commercial real estate brokers. And nothing against those folks, because I know they're just trying to make a living like everybody else. But I don't know that investors understand that commercial brokers are different than your real estate buyer's agent who is out there acting under a set of ethical principles about how they need to treat you and have a fiduciary duty to you, etc. I have found that the commercial brokerage market is pretty cutthroat. Yeah. Do you want me to comment on that one? <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, um, I tell you, you just, if a broker says something to you, that sounds too good to be true, get them to put it in writing. Just as a, as a, as a, a pattern of, of, of business behavior, do that. And let me give you some examples of how that has actually worked out for me. Uh, I was buying the property one time. It was a nice apartment complex. And the broker obviously was walking around with me, uh, giving the old puffery, uh, you know, telling me how great this property was. And he said that this property has never gone below 96% in occupancy. And I heard him say that, and I said, okay, yeah, that's fine. Let me put that back in the, in the, uh, in the registry here, and I'll come back and use that in the future. <laughs> when he got my offer, I put in there a rent guarantee for 12 months that if the rents dropped below 96% for any period of time, the seller would put money into an escrow account and I could take, I could draw off that escrow account to bring me back up to the revenue of 96%. When I submitted that offer to the broker, he had a cow. He said, I can't present this to the owner. I said, why? It shouldn't be a problem for the owner. According to you, this property has never fallen below 96%. 
while he submitted it to the owner, the owner agreed. And for the first year, I had a rent uh, escrow account, what I call this, a rent slush fund, that if the occupancy dropped below 96%, I could draw off of that account. And let me tell you something, folks. It fell below 96%. <laughs> so, you know, you, you just, if they, if they say something while you're walking around with them, where they say something that, that makes the property sound fantastic, put it in the contract and make them live up to their words. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, I've had, I've had a number of experiences with commercial brokers that seemed out of whack with what my experience with more standard residential real estate agents has been um, openly playing buyers off against each other, which you cannot, you can't do that in the, in the residential market. You can't, you can't call buyer a and say, I just got an offer from buyer B for a hundred. So up it by 5,000, you know, that you, you you just, you can't do that. Oh, I I knew a story where, where the woman um, put in an offer, the seller told her it was, uh, she needed to go up on her offer, and then she went up on the offer, and the broker's son ended up getting the property. Hmm. And and as a matter of fact, that happened right in Cincinnati. That was mm-hmm. a case right in Cincinnati that I was involved in. So, uh, you know, that type of stuff goes on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, and that's why you know when I represent my clients, a lot of these people are going, these investors are going into the deals never having had done a deal before. They don't know what they're expecting. They need somebody to walk them through the whole process every step of the way. And we represent the buyers to make sure that they're not going to get caught. They're not going to lose. And the number one rule I always uh, tell my, my clients is you can never lose control of the deal. Don't ever put yourself in a situation where the seller can end up taking control of the transaction. If they do, you lose. And that's what we always protect our clients against. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, just don't, don't, don't ever assume that particularly the listing broker on a, on a particular property has that sort of duty to fairness that your residential agent does and and get yourself protected. I mean, if you're if you're going to work yeah. with a listed property, make sure that you have somebody who is truly on your side on all of that. Because yeah. it's, I mean, we could we could we could spend the rest of the show telling stories about commercial oh, right. brokers and 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 oh, things yeah. that they've done and um yeah. So it, it commercial the commercial brokers are they they definitely have their place. There's some deals in which there's you know you you're just going to deal with them because it's a listed property. And for certain kinds of, you know, more advanced high dollar buyers, they can be very useful because, as you mentioned, pocket listings, you know, those those great deals that come up and you get the first phone call. But it doesn't sound like either the national MLS kind of system or the commercial broker is really the answer for the guy who just took the course and he's out there trying to buy his first 60 unit building. Yeah, you know, what I have found is that when you st- just think about it from a, from a seller's standpoint, the seller goes to a broker because the broker is going to give them the most exposure to potential buyers. And you end up becoming one of those people that fall into that exposed buyer world. And that means you're out there with everybody else. That's not where you want to be. So what you want to do is get yourself on the other side of the equation, on the other side of the discussion. Go directly to the owner. Now, that may sound simple, 
uh, and in today's day and age, it's very easy to do. But but you still there's so many owners out there. Do I go to all of them? No. The best owners to go to are the ones whose properties are about to become distressed or are in distress now. These are the owners who have probably worked hard for the last five years to keep their head above water to, to you know make that property operate. And now their note is coming due. They went out and they bought this property back in the heyday, back in 2005 and 2007. And now their note is coming due and they've got to refinance. And there's not enough equity because we've, a drop, we've had a drop in the value of these properties. There's not enough equity in this person's property to, to refinance. And just through no fault of his own, he's going to lose that property back to the bank because he can't, he can't uh, refinance the note. And so what we do is we come in to sit down with the owner and talk to them and say, what can we do? We like your property. Your property meets our investment criteria. Uh, what can we do to either buy into your entity that owns the property or take you out entirely and take over this property for you? And so instead of having to deal with a broker and all these potential buyers, we are dealing directly with the owner. And guess what these owners do? They own more property. So instead of dealing with one broker and one property, I may be dealing with one owner, that decision maker, who owns several other properties that might be in the same situation. So now he's, he looks at me differently. I'm not an adversary in a buy-sell arrangement. I am now a solution to some of his problems. So that's, how, that's when we talk about uh, new strategies for finding uh, multifamily property. That's what we're talking about. Now, if you, just one, one more uh, point. Because of the Internet, the information that we need to find these properties is very easily at your fingertips. You, there are subscription services that we use in our firm to, that help us identify for our clients which properties meet these criteria in particular geographical areas. And that's what we do is we go after, we, we focus on those with laser, uh, laser sites, and then we go and we deal with those owners directly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very good, and I'm sure that that three paragraphs there just generated a bunch of questions in in listeners' minds. So I want to give the phone numbers out again. Uh, If you're in the greater Cincinnati area, you can give us a call with any questions about multifamily investing at 772-9658. If you're outside the greater Cincinnati area listening to us on the web, call 877-772-9658 or send an email by going to askvina.com. Support comes from St. Vincent to Paul. In today's difficult economy, local families who have never had to ask for help are now in desperate need of assistance. By donating your unneeded car or truck to St. Vincent de Paul, you can ensure that a local family gets help with the basics to survive. You also can donate furniture and household items. All donations receive a receipt for tax purposes. For a free pickup, call St. Vincent de Paul, 513-421-CARE. That's 513-421-2273. And checking on traffic right now, we have an accident, Lila, at 131 near Milford. Accident, North 75 at Buttermilk in Kentucky. And uh, that's pretty much it as far as accidents. Backups, East 275 at Montgomery. Westbound, Norwood Lateral at 75. East, Norwood Lateral at 71. North 71 at Smith through Pfeiffer. South 71 at Pfeiffer. And then around the Kenwood area. And uh, North 75 at Glendale, southbound 75, approaching the Brent Spence Bridge, and then into the Cut in the Hill. Your forecast tonight, clear skies for the most part. Tonight's low, 58. Tomorrow, a decent day, sunny skies and a high around 82. 
We warm up for Friday, partly cloudy, a high around 90, and then Saturday and Sunday, highs are expected to be in the lower 90s with sunny skies. No rain in the forecast through Wednesday. It's 86 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Psst. Hey, spread the word. Tell a friend about WMKV, FM 89.3, and our streaming audio anywhere in the world at WMKVFM.org. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. And let me say again for the folks who listen to us on the podcast that this is, in fact, a live radio show that takes place on Wednesday afternoons from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time that you can listen to live and streaming at wmkvfm.org. I get get, their calls that come in here because people hear the podcast and they hear me giving out the phone numbers and I don't know if they think I'm on all the time or I, I, you know, it's Vina's radio station, WMK Vina, that's what it is, right? Um, And so, yeah, if you want to ask questions live, podcast listeners, listen to us on Wednesdays from 5 to 6 p.m. at WMKV here in the greater Cincinnati area or at WMKVFM.org outside the greater Cincinnati area. Also, you can send your questions in today about multifamily investing by going to askvina.com. And while you are there, click the Try Our free e-letter button and fill out the little response form there because uh, every week we send out information about the upcoming show along with an article by or about our guests or their topics. Today we had a great little article from Charles about the difference between the perspective in buying of a single-family home buyer and a multifamily buyer. Quite a good little thing and uh, the folks who were on the list got it and the ones who weren't didn't. So that's askvina.com. Click the try the e-letter button, fill out the response form, and we will get you on that list for those weekly emails along with some special reports and ebooks and things like that that uh, come out from time to time. Uh, so Charles, we're starting to get some questions in here. And um, this one, I'm hoping that you will understand because I am not okay. 100% clear on it. Uh, This is from JC in Las Vegas. He says, ask Charles what he thinks about controlling a newly distressed property through making a debtor in possession loan ahead of the bank capital stack, it looks like it says. (laughs) Yeah. Does that make sense to you? (laughs) It does, and and I cannot answer that because debtor in possession is a, uh, a, um, it's not something that we do in our firm, and I don't want to give out any improper uh, legal information on that, something that I'm not familiar with. So I apologize, JC, uh, but that is not uh, an area of expertise that I have, and I I don't want to uh, uh, give you the wrong information. I apologize. Um, You know, if if JC wants to send me an email, have uh, somebody else uh, uh, investigate it for him, I'll be more than happy to do that. Okay, so JC, what what you're going to do is you're going to you're going to go ahead and send that go to askmina.com and send it through that site, and I will make sure that it gets forwarded to Charles. Um, yeah. Okay, got another question here from Marilyn in Cincinnati. She says, Charles, I am currently trying to buy a 14 unit uh, bank owned property through a commercial broker. 
I do not believe that my offers are being presented because every time I put one in, the broker responds asking me to raise the offer without ever giving me a counter. Is this normal? Oh, you know, let, let me tell you something. Don't, don't, even, don't even go down that path. If you don't feel that your offer is being accepted or you're not being taken seriously, move on. If that, if that broker doesn't understand that he only makes money when he sells that property and he's not willing to, to work with you to, and you're a legitimate, valid, uh, ready, willing, and able buyer, move on, especially with the purchase price. What I say the biggest lie in multifamily is the purchase price or the asking price. Properties never trade at that value. So you and, and, and when I work up some numbers from my clients, we may come off the asking price by 25%. My client's like, oh my gosh, they'll never take my offer. They'll never accept it. I said, who cares? If the <laughs> numbers don't work, then that's it. Move on to the next deal. So hold your guns. Don't go crazy. If, if those numbers work for you, you just tell the broker, listen, that's my best offer. Uh, if, if you're not going to present it or uh, you don't think it's worth it, I'll move on to the next deal. They need you. Remember this, Marilyn, they need you more than you need them. And that's the way you've got to approach all of these op- these opportunities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, uh, another qu- interesting question here from David, who's in Dayton, Ohio. He says, I, I'm, I'm looking to make an offer on a 60-unit building here in the Dayton area that is under the control of a receiver. The property has apparently been foreclosed upon, although there has, there's been no official foreclosure sale. The receiver says he can give me clear title without the sale. Do you know if that's true? Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, and, and a lot of times, if, if the receiver has a good relationship with the previous owner, the owner can do you know, the equivalent of a deed in lieu where they just transfer uh, the ownership of the property back to the bank. Uh, and, and you will get clear title to that property without any foreclosure, without the owner throwing it into bankruptcy. So you could end up with clear title to that property without it having gone through a foreclosure sale. Uh, it's great that you've got a conversation going with the receiver. A lot of complaints I hear is that are that people cannot uh, get any response back from the receiver. Um, so don't burn that bridge. If you've got a direct call that receiver, that's fantastic. Just hang in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, a question from Bob in Seattle. Bob says, what are, in your opinion, the best emerging markets in the U.S. for buying apartment buildings with over 20 units? Ah, the emerging markets question. (laughs) I know. You know, Bob, I mean, Seattle is a very strong market. Uh, And, you know, you should probably look there. Um, you know, first off, the number of units is not important in the discussion of, of the emergence of a particular market because every market has, has uh, a lot of different uh, sized properties throughout. So if you're looking at 20 plus, the, 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 uh, the quality of the market is not really uh, going to matter based upon the number of units that are in there. I mean, you can look at uh, some places that are, if you're looking for distressed assets, uh, you know, you're seeing um, areas like Tucson and Fresno and Jacksonville uh, and Las Vegas and Atlanta that have, uh, you know, that uh, I think I saw the number 60% of all their transactions last quarter were through distressed sales. Uh, but then you go to other areas like, um, uh, you know, Boston and, and uh, Portland, uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, where, the, you know, distressed levels of transactions were less than 20% of all the transactions. So 
Um, but I think, Bob, what you really need to take into consideration is the, the, how you are going to finance this deal. If you are a new apartment owner, uh, this is going to be your first transaction. Make sure when you work with a lender that the lender is okay with you owning a property outside of your marketplace. Uh, what happened a lot of times, or what we see now, is are that lenders do not want to lend to people, first-time buyers, who are in Seattle, but they're looking to buy in Texas. Hmm. Uh, but, but, but banks like it when bottom Seattle is looking to buy in Seattle, because you're not going anywhere. You get ties to that area, and you want to see that property succeed. Check with your lending uh, markets to find out what type of requirements they're going to put on you in order to buy a property outside of your market. It's funny. So, but those are some of the areas that, uh, you know, and of course, everybody loves Fort Worth and Dallas Fort Worth, but everybody is tripping over themselves in those particular marketplaces. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's funny how much the commercial finance market has changed, it, uh-huh. m- much more so even than the residential finance market. And all those, all those little details, like if you're a first-time buyer, they want you in your own city, um, we're, we're seeing uh, local lenders here who don't want a loan on any building that's not at least 65% full, which is yeah. problematic yeah. when you're when you've got a great deal on a completely empty yeah. boarded up building and you can't get money yeah. for it. And you know th- exactly. th- things that things that uh, you you don't run into in the residential market and things that mean when you pull that course off your shelf that you've owned for five years and you start reading up on commercial finance, you might as well throw that chapter away. Exactly, because they talk about you know lenders that are no longer even in the business anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that, you're absolutely right, Nina. Yeah, and 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 I, I was I was I happened to be paging through one of those courses, which at the time was a great course, and it was talking about lenders who would do ninety percent loans and let the seller carry the other ten percent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, what's what's the copyright? <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. Let's go to the phones. Talk to Steve, who's on line one in Cincinnati. Steve, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Vina. Uh, I have a question for Charles. Charles, you mentioned uh, trying to review the uh, leases, do an analysis of the leases to see if you could do a rent increase or how good they are. Do you actually go in and physically go through the folders and pull data out and put it in a spreadsheet? Oh, absolutely. You have to. You, that's the number one thing you do. Because in, in that article that uh, Avina was talking about, uh, I, I really cannot stress enough for people that when we're talking multifamily apartments, we are not talking real estate. We are talking about a business. And the business is lease contracts. That is the product that we create. That's the product that generates money. Like Vina just said, the, the bank will not give you a, uh, a loan on, on the, a boarded up property because the property is meaningless. It's the leases for that property that is, are what's generating the income that's going to pay back the bank. So uh, we make sure when we sit down and do our due diligence, the first half of the due diligence is what we call a financial due diligence. That is we get out and we look at all of the numbers and we look at the leases. And you've got to make sure that those leads, that they've done a credit check, they've got to, done a criminal background check, uh, that, the, um, uh, that there's been an income verification. Uh, and if none of those things are done, you're buying a crappy business. Do you really want to buy a bad business? And that's the way you need to approach this business is that I need to make sure that those leases are very good leases before I even get to the 
get to check out the roof or check out the foundation because that's secondary. And and Steve, if I can if I can add something to that, be be careful about not just what do the leases say and how much are the rents, but what when were the leases signed? Because I've I've looked at two buildings in the last five years that if you just did the numbers based on the leases, I mean those things were worth eight hundred thousand dollars, but all of the leases on 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 both of them had been signed in like a three month period. Yeah, like yeah. like 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 every tenant had moved in. Not not literally every, but eighty percent of the tenants had moved in between April and July of right. the, of the of that year, and and this was September, and it didn't take too much of a leap of logic to realize that what had happened was their building had been empty and they filled it up with anybody who would sign a lease at above market rent. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was, you know, it, the, the, the people who bought it did pay close to $800,000 worth. They were from California, by the way. And this building was in Cincinnati. <laughs> and a year and a half later, they had it back up on the market and they were also claiming a very high income. And we looked at it again and all of their leases had been signed in a, Three month period as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They you had to empty the building. Yeah, you so you can understand the trick. If you see a, a high concession figure in your income and expense number, you got a problem. If you don't see a high concession figure in your income and expense statement, and you know these people just moved in the last three months, look at the security deposit. If it says ninety nine dollars, that's a concession, and you've got to understand that that there are professional concession shoppers out there. The people will, will jump from property to property looking for that, that building that has the sign that says first month's free. And they can live there for three months for free before mm-hmm. they get evicted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just the way it works in this business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, there's there's some there's some properties where that's going to be par for the court, like college units. Yeah, all the leases are going to run, you know, September to August. Right. But but right. Yeah, the, these buildings were not in the in college areas, and it was just so completely obvious that they were just they were bringing the numbers up because they were going to sell. So it almost sounds like you've got a competitive advantage in running the um, managing these things when you know how to do this analysis on the front end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know whether you're going you're buying a good property or not. And let me tell you, there are a lot of dogs out there. And you know if and you get a lot of people who get into the apartment building business without realizing that they're running a business. And they think all they have to do is pick up the checks and, and put everything on remote control and have a third-party manager do it. You're running a business. And the same thing as you would if it was a, uh, an ice cream stand down the street. Every night you'd go and check the cash receipts. You know, you have to do the same thing with a multifamily business. If you don't, you know, you, that business can turn in 90 days very quickly. So uh, you have to understand how to get that competitive advantage at the very beginning. You have to remain in control of everything. So if you were interested in one of these dogs, you would just have a low price uh, offer price on it, or would you just walk away? Well, it depends upon what I'm looking for. If I've found a dog that's in a great area, and I know that if I, if I get investors and I, find, I can get government money and I can plow a ton of dough into that property to reposition it, and I end up with a nice asset in a nice area, yeah, I, I would go for that type of property. If it's a dog in a dog area, I don't want to touch it. I'm never going to get any type of value add to that property. So I will stay away from those types of deals. So really, there's so many factors that go into looking at these types of transactions. 
All right. Uh, thank you very much for your call, Steve. We appreciate it. And uh, we need to take one last quick break. We're going to invite listeners once again to send your questions on multifamily investing and particularly on finding the great deals by to askmina.com or call them in to 772-9658 in the greater Cincinnati area, 877-772-9658 outside the greater Cincinnati area. My name is Mike Worf, and the program is Kaleidoscope. Join Mike Worf and Kaleidoscope for a look at amazing stories, events in history, and the world around us. Kaleidoscope, Saturday and Sunday at 10 a.m. here on 89.3 WMKV, the way radio was and is meant to be. We'll check in on traffic all of a sudden, a little flurry of accident activity here. We have an accident now northbound 75 at Town Street. It's over on the right shoulder. And on Reading Road at the Norwood Lateral. In fact, Reading is down to just one lane uh, there. Reading Road at the Norwood Lateral. Also have an accident eastbound 275 between Mosteller and US 42. That is on the right shoulder, and that's going to complicate things in an area that's already slow uh, this time of day. Your forecast this evening, clear skies, a low of 58. Tomorrow, some sun in the morning, a few clouds in the afternoon. We'll get up to uh, the mid to lower 80s tomorrow. Then around 90 on Friday and 92 degrees Saturday and Sunday. No rain in the forecast through next Wednesday. It's 86 degrees right now. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Charles Dobbins, who... Incidentally, is going to be one of the featured speakers at the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association conference that's coming up in November. If y'all want to mark your calendars for that, it's November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, of course, we're going to be talking about multifamily investing. Um, some other questions that have popped up here. There's one from MJ in Vincenttown, New Jersey, that we, we can't actually get into detail about because he's asking questions about the specific services that you get, that uh, you mentioned at the beginning of the show, Charles, that provide you information on getting um, finding sellers of properties. And, and MJ, the reason we can't specifically answer that question here on Real Life Real Estate is that it is public radio, so we can't be endorsing uh, different sites, but uh, Charles, talk about uh, first of all. I'm going to I'm going to forward you this email, and you can. Okay, great. <laughs> I'll be more than happy to. Yeah, I'll respond to any emails that anybody wants me to to look at. Yeah, and and uh, you're gonna when you hit reply, you're actually going to be replying back to me because I don't okay. actually get people's emails addresses emails address email addresses ah, through this askvina.com site. But uh, uh, MJ, I'll be sure and get that to you, and um, uh, just just talk about what what you are looking for this service to do. So you, you identify a building that you think is attractive for some reason, fits into your criteria for some reason, and then what does the service do? Give you the mailing address of the owner? No, actually the service provides such incredible detailed information. So what I'll do is uh, I will work in a particular marketplace for a client. Let's say a client wants to work uh, in the North Dallas area. So we have a particular uh, service, a subscription service that gives us all of the properties above 50 units in the North Dallas area. Hmm. And from that information, I can actually do searches on distressed assets, 
uh, uh, properties that just received a notice of acceleration, properties that just received a notice to cure. I can whittle it down to properties that are meet the you know that are A's, B's, or C's uh, for improvements, or A, B's, and C's for the location that they're in. I can really get very specific as to what properties meet that criteria. I hit the search button, and a bunch of, of properties would pop up. From that information, I can then drill down and. I can look at pictures of the property. I find out who the owners are, how long they've owned it, what the note information is. Uh, if it's uh, uh, being held by a special servicer, it gives me the phone number and the contact name for the special servicer. I can find out everything I need to know about those types of properties before, even before they hit the marketplace. Hmm. And so what I try to do is I, I do a search on, on properties that have notes that were, that were uh, put in place back in 2005 and 2007, and I start relationship with, with relationships with those owners. Because those are the guys typically looking at some point in the near future, their exit strategy when they bought it was to sell about this time. And I want to contact those guys and start working with them. It, you know, it can take a lot of time before these guys want to sell, but you know, as you know, Vina, this is a sales job. You've got to build your funnel with potential uh, properties, and that's mm-hmm. what we do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, I this this uh, we've kind of our questions have been all over the place, smart questions, but all over the place. Um, the the kind of key to to your success and what you like to teach your clients about how to find these deals is work with the sellers. Yeah, yeah, go direct. I mean, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with the brokers. They're, they're necessarily, necessary evil, uh, but everybody else is working with the brokers. If you want to be successful, you've got to do those things that other people don't do. And this is going directly to the seller, a seller who is in that particular position that, that you know is a, uh, is, a, is a person who needs your help. That's what we do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, uh, here is a very interesting question from JC in Las Vegas. Um, JC is a frequent question asker here on Real Life Real Estate. <laughs> yeah, I'll see if I can hit, hit one of these for I think you can. I think you can handle this one. He says. Right. He says, with investors flocking to apartment buildings, but the national economy largely languishing, what is your case for this being the best asset class to get into at this time? You know, uh, it, it, as far as you've got to look at all of the metrics, uh, and, and personally, you've got to look at the metrics on a macro level and on, on a micro level. I know that with my properties, my occupancy has been never been higher. I have some properties that run at 100% occupancy month after month. My rents, I can push my rents higher than, than I, I have ever budgeted for. Uh, it's because the demand for apartment units is so strong. And because of the growth of the country, because of uh, people's uh, housing needs, I think I saw the statistic uh, the other day that to keep up with demand, we have to build half a million new apartment units a year. Uh, and right now we're on pace to do 100,000 a year. So that's, there's your demand and supply argument uh, for the apartment units. Um, you know, there, there are so many other factors that go on right now. Money is relatively cheap. It's cheaper than it's been uh, for several years. Uh, so the metrics and, the, and the being able to uh, cover the debt service on these properties has never been easier. Uh, there are a whole host of reasons that uh, apartments are very, very strong. Uh, you know, but I'm not trying to sell you on apartments. You've got to understand that, that this isn't just a passive investment like you're going to go out and buy gold. Uh, owning apartment buildings is a lifestyle. It provides you with income. It provides you with security if you purchase correctly and if you run it correctly. So 
uh, you know, that is the benefit to apartment ownership. Uh, and I'm very bullish on it. I, I mean, we're looking to uh, uh, to do deals all the time, and our properties are doing very well. And, you know, my whole strategy is, is to hold on to these uh, for my retirement. That's my plan. So, mm-hmm. All right. Very yeah. good. And thank you for your question there, JC, that could actually be answered. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it was a personal opinion. That's why. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, all right. So, um one other thing that I'd like to, to, to leave folks with, uh, Charles, from your experience, and we've got like one minute left in the show here. I find that a lot of new investors are afraid to approach sellers, especially of the larger multifamilies, the 40 plus unit buildings, because in their minds, the sellers are hyper sophisticated, going to grind them into the ground. Uh, yeah, it's been my experience, and I, you've done more of this than I have, but I assume it's been yours too. That that ninety percent of the sellers of these buildings out there are just like you and me. Exactly. I was just going to say that, Vina. You are absolutely right. These are guys who, at one time, were in your position. They know what it's like to be in your position. They've been there, and so when they see you coming along, you know, they're probably going to be really nice guys and want to help you out. I know the best conversations I have as an apartment owner myself, is with other apartment owners. I mean, we just start talking. It, it, you know, I'm, it, it's like a, a chatty Cathy conversation. We just get going about, like, what, you know, what's good about the business, what's bad about the business, and, and we build up a rapport. So it's a very easy phone call to make. I think it's, you know, some people get concerned about talking to brokers. I think it's easier to talk to the sellers. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. The brokers are always trying to vet you out. The seller just wants to talk. Exactly. And, and you'll be amazed, folks, how many of these people got started by some apartment seller helping them out with financing or with understanding how to manage properties or whatever. And so, uh, yeah, in my experience, the brokers are scarier than the owners. So (laughs) don't be afraid to approach uh, the owners. Um, All right. Uh, Very good, Charles. Really appreciate you sharing all your knowledge information with the Real Life Real Estate listeners today. And look forward to seeing you in November in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. It's 89.3 WMKV, Reading, Ohio. Authority. This is Local 12 News. Good evening, everybody. We begin with a local breaking news alert. A 17-month-old child falls into the Whitewater River. The child was in a canoe with his or her parents in Cedar Grove in Franklin County.